0: The Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Brewing. As after the Bengals, knock off the Carolina Panthers 42-21. And Rick, truth be told, it wasn't really even that close. 35-0 at the half. We've talked about this a lot. This is a weird league, right? It's just a crazy, it's a week-to-week league. But the turnaround in six days from Monday to this, it really is stark. It's crazy. And by the
0: way, hats off to the team, to Zach Taylor, to Joe Mixon, who we're going to talk a lot about in this podcast for stepping up when they needed it most and and really showing out and playing their best football of the year. But it was almost comical how. It was like they were laughing in the face of all the narratives that had been circling for the last
1: couple of weeks. No doubt. No question. I mean, can't run the ball. Check. Um, Team is trending downwards. Check. I mean, all those, you're right, all of those things. It was almost like we just teased you guys to see how you react, and now we're going to stick it in your face. That's literally what that game felt like.
0: Yeah, and it it, it wasn't just like one of those, okay, you, you squeaked by a bad team, but that didn't really tell us anything. It was a resounding win, and yeah, sometimes you, you just overmatch a team in the NFL even, but there aren't a whole lot of dominant wins in the NFL period. I mean, in, in all reality, in my lifetime as a Bengals fan, I can probably point to the handful of times it's happened, period. Sure. So, I mean, it, 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 it's still pretty impressive when you dominate start to finish like they did in this game. And I mean, I said it at halftime, Skinny. The the performance by both teams was comical, and particularly by Joe Mixon. This was just absurd.
1: No, it was. I mean, you know, for for all the question marks of why can't they run it, and I was the one that said, "Well, go back to the RPOs." You know, they talked today about they went back to some pin and pull. They went to some wide zone. They they did a bunch of different stuff in the running game, and maybe that was it too. You know, a couple of different players, Ted Karras and Mixon, talked about the diversity in the run game. Maybe that's what did it. Maybe it was just you did overmatch an opponent and you got into a rhythm and they had no answer. But it was it was crazy to watch.
0: Yeah. And that, that's interesting that you mentioned the diversity or the variety in the run game, because I did think I saw a few things where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've seen that wrinkle much this year, if at all. And, uh, it, you know, I mean, a lot of it's similar stuff. I mean, there's only so many different ways you can run the football in the NFL, but it seemed like they just had a little extra look to them, something that was different about it, that, that might have caught the defense off guard or, or thrown them off a bit. I guess my question for you would be, how much do you think this performance in terms of the rushing effort, was Joe Mixon? How much was the offensive line, and how much was the coaches coming up with a better scheme? Because I'm sure it was a, a combination of all three of those to some extent.
1: I was going to say the way you phrased that question, I was going to go 34 percent Mixon, just to have it be more 33 percent the other two. I mean, I, I think it was all those things married together. Because th- the other part too, and, and you're right about Mixon. Um, you know, he ran through a lot of tackles. Paul Daner Jr. and I from The Athletic, we were trying to look up, if, and we couldn't find a stat on it right after the game of, of how many you know missed tackles or broken tackles um, did Joe Mixon have. According to Pro Football Reference, and I used the stat this week, um, they're not the be-all, end-all, and, and everybody has their different metrics, right? But Pro Football Reference had him having, missed, uh, having only five missed tackles all season long. That's staggeringly low, and I would almost be willing to bet you, Rick, he at least had five missed tackles today.
0: Yeah, and and all the I should say
1: missed tackles, broken rather broken tackles, right? Made 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 guys miss. Yeah,
0: Uh, but when you look at any of those advanced analytic metrics that they have now, all of them suggested he was tailing off in a major way, and that's what you know. Like we were having fun on Twitter because because last week I had I had tweeted something to the extent of did Joe Mixon lose all of his powers overnight? He's been a shell of himself this year, and then uh, of course he did what he he did today. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about, you know, as is, is at this point he has to prove it to you again before you can just give him all of the, well, the sure. carries as the de facto go-to back. And I don't go back on anything we talked about last week. And I don't go back on the tweet. He had been a shell I of himself to, the, to that point in the season. This was I an agree. outlier performance. Now it was incredible. And it definitely made me a believer again that, Hey, Joe Mixon does have something left in the tank. I don't know what has gone on, and maybe some of it is just he got disheartened by the way they were going so shotgun-heavy, pass-heavy, and they didn't get off to a strong start. And maybe he had a bad attitude to some extent because he just didn't seem like the same guy in terms of how he was moving, his attention to detail, the drops he had in the passing game, so... I, I, the lack I, of pass, the lack of pass protection, total lack of pass protection. I, I, yeah, I think it's okay to point out that he had been terrible, or at least not been even close to the same guy we were used to seeing in years past. And today, he was right back at that level, if not best he's ever been.
1: Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing about the league. I guess is, is, is. Listen, you can change narratives very quickly, both, both positive and negative. And the, the thing about. The, the the negative narrative is it was an eight-game accumulation. Today was a one-game thing. I, you use the word outlier. It is for this year, but in, in past performances for Joe Mixon, it's not because we've seen him do these things before. So it, it is an outlier for now. It's not an outlier for, for, for all time. So, you know, maybe today was the start again. And we've seen that happen, too, where he goes seven games and doesn't do much, and then, boom, four or five games, you can't stop him. So –
0: ESPN do, does these breakdowns where they do like um, rush win rate and and yes, pass yes, rush yes, yes, win yes, rate and all that stuff. Yes. And all, all of those numbers suggested that Carolina's defense had actually been pretty good against the run this year in terms of winning at the, the point of attack and beating those one-on-one matchups. The Bengals had their way with them all day, and I don't know how talented Carolina is or isn't up front, but I, I, I do wonder... Something we've seen this year is that the the Bengals offensive linemen have really struggled one-on-one against talented pass rushers. There's been some some of the big names have just eight guys up, whether it be Collins, whether it be Jonah Williams, or anyone in between there. They've had their issues, and maybe this is a reach. Maybe this is just trying too much to make a narrative out of something, but to me, it seems like when they struggle with that, I don't know if it's that they lose confidence or what it is, but it seems like it affects all aspects of their performance. And today they got off to that incredible start with the, the opening drive where they marched 90 yards and nine plays. They had five passes, four runs, super balanced. Joe Mixon had the huge play on the screen pass and screen then he pass. Yeah. He finished it off with the drive in the road zone for a two yard touchdown. And it felt like when everything went according to the script and it all worked and they built that confidence, all of a sudden, they were a different unit blocking for Joe Mixon up front.
1: And pass protecting for Joe Burrow. I mean, um, they gave up a sack on a play that was offsides. He so chucked that up to you know, guy maybe not offsides. He doesn't sack him. And Jonah gave up, unfortunately, a sack to, to Burns. And Burns is a great pass rusher. That is the ninth sack that Jonah's allowed. But really, other than that, I mean, how much was Joe Burrow hurried today? And then you factor into the running game. And I do think there's a confidence thing. And I do think there's a – listen – in life for everything your boss yells at you you have two ways to go with your boss yelling at you you get motivated to be better or you just go blanket i quit and the i quits don't win in life and i think for even athletes last week was a monday was a slap in the face for that offensive line and you got two ways to respond Are you a pro and do you punch back or do you go into a shell and go, what was me? And you got too many veterans that have gone through good times and understand success and understand peaks and valleys for for that not to happen, for them not to respond the way they did. So kudos to them for that response.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really was impressive. And I think it's across the board on the Bengals side, whether it be the coaching staff, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be Joe Mixon, just everyone, whether it be the entire offense playing without Jamar Chase, all of them answered the bell and did exactly what you wanted to see them do to make you believe they still have a chance to make a run at this thing. And I mean, that, that first half, the second quarter really was just absurd with all the points that they put up. And it wasn't just big splash plays or they got, they, they did get a, a interception that led to a quick touchdown, but it wasn't fluke plays. Right. They, they had long sustained drives where they were very balanced did whatever they wanted. You know, it's like 10 plays, 71 yards. Uh, They only had 59 yards to go on their third drive, and it took them nine plays. So they were running a lot of stuff, finding ways to keep the drives alive, convert on third downs, and then punch it in once they got into the red zone. So it was everything that you wanted to see from a Bengals perspective.
1: Yeah, and, and I actually wrote in one of my three takeaways. I mean, the 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 I called it the third wide receiver because it's never fair to who you who you judge, but you know, of who's number three. But that third person, be it Trent Taylor, Trenton Irwin, um, those two guys combined to run four times for fit for twenty nine yards on the ground. They combined for for four receptions for like thirty something yards. It's not Jamar Chase like, but you got about sixty yards in production from those two guys, and you had a seventeen yard touchdown pass wiped out on a. Questionable was Trent Irwin in, or was he not? So if he caught that, that's seventy-seven yards and a touchdown from those guys. Again, in a given game, that's that's kind of Jamar Chase like, right? It's not explosive Jamar, but it's pretty good Jamar, right?
0: It's pretty good. You'll certainly take it. I don't. I don't know if I ever want to use Jamar Chase in the same sentence as those guys. But it's all it's what you you're asking them to do, and and then some.
1: Yeah, and I think that was a big part of it too. Is they gave you a little offensive compliment to what you were trying to do. And the defense, listen, the defense was great. I know it's P.J. Walker. I know Dante Foreman wasn't healthy and all those things. But, I mean, they just dominated that group in the first half. One first down, Rick, and it came via Cam Taylor-Britt illegal contact penalty. How about this number? And you may know it already, but I still love the number because I used it in one of my three numbers of note. thirty-five, thirty-two. You know what thirty-five, thirty-two is, Rick? I do not. Bengals had 35 points, as you mentioned, in the first half. Panthers had 32 yards. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That's 311
0: crazy. to 32 in total yards.
1: Yes, that's crazy.
0: 21 to 1 in first downs. The, all that, of those numbers, insane. they're just stupid. They don't make sense for an NFL game.
1: They don't. I, I saw one of the, uh, a guy from Cleveland.com, Mike Niziolak, who tweeted out at one point, he said, this is like watching – I would always get my – FBS is in my FCS is, but basically the old division one power five conference team playing a bye game against the one double team. That's what that first half looked like, didn't it?
0: Yes. And it's FCS is the subdivision. Yeah, I I'm, get, I I'm, get them I'm getting familiar that. with that now because uh, Xavier might Xavier. be joining. <laughs> so yeah, I had good. to learn that this week, but, but yes, good it confuses good me good as call. well. Yeah. So just wrapping up the offense performance show makes I made 22 carries 153 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. He had 211 yards from scrimmage. Five total touchdowns. I guess it's a good thing they didn't trade him at the trade deadline, huh, Skinny? At
1: yeah, least for this week. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it worked out. It worked out pretty well. And and again, I think to your point, I know you don't scheme this as a coach or a coordinator and all those things to make it look a certain way, but it sure felt like once they got into points where they could give it to Joe Mixon. Other than, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Rick. He could have scored a six touchdown if Burrow didn't sneak the one in and they just turned and handed it to him. True. It almost felt like when you got close. We're going to show you guys because we're going to get this guy his gaudy stats when we need to get him his gaudy stats. Yeah. And I
0: need to see this again. I need to see it against another team that isn't as bad as yeah, Carolina it's because
1: it's, it's absolutely fair.
0: Again, the numbers don't say that they're a terrible team against defending the run. But they're also two and seven. And I, you know, they just got rid of their best player recently. I don't know if they have a lot to play for. I don't know if after you give up those first couple of touchdowns, if they kind of just quit and say, screw it, we're not, it done me. today. Yeah. I mean, so you don't really know what's going on in that game when you beat a team like that because it's a rare thing in the NFL. So, I need to see it again. I need to see it against a good team, and the Bengals will have plenty of opportunities coming up to prove it yes, against they will. capable yeah, teams. But it was definitely a, a really positive sign and a step in the right direction. I, I do want to ask you about the defense. Any concerns about the success Baker Mayfield had in the second half, or is that mostly a, a just a prevent situation where you're trying to keep the ball in front and end the game as soon as yeah, possible? Yeah, I
1: think I think that's the case. I mean, let's not forget the, the they ran the kickoff back to start the second half. Uh, inside the Bengals 40 and they did convert on a fourth and seven play. It was fourth and seven or excuse me, a yeah, fourth and seven at the Bengals eight uh, Dax Hill, unfortunately got beat by Tommy tremble on an in route. Cause I was watching the play specifically to watch Dax. I thought Dax actually had pretty good coverage. It was just a really good throw from Baker. Um, and unfortunately on that play, Dax got hurt with his shoulder that we still don't know how bad it is. We probably won't know until tomorrow and maybe even later than that. But no, and then then after that, it was literal liberal substitutions on defense. Alan George got a bunch of snaps. Mike Thomas at safety. And I'm not blaming these guys. They just liberally substituted. And it was literally, you want to take your dinks and dunks, guy? Go ahead and have it. We're up enough. So, yeah, I'm not, I am not concerned with that whatsoever. I will say, Baker has been a Bengals killer over his career. He was 6-1 <laughs> and one as a starter with the Browns with a – uh, a passer rating of like 120 or something like that but um bottom line is no i th- th- those scenarios to me are literally just backup bowls where if you want to take 11 plays the dink and dunk you're not going to have enough possessions to beat us even if we screw this up royally and I, so i no i'm not concerned at all why was baker mayfield ever benched i don't know and it's it is weird i you know and maybe i just watch him through the prism of of and i've watched him in other games on tv with with the, both the browns and the panthers there's a talent there and i just don't get it i don't
0: yeah i mean the team around him stinks the coaching probably stinks based on what we're well, seeing they fired
1: matt rule so it stunk enough to fire matt rule
0: right so i mean the fact that they were just so quick to bench him and i i, I don't want to ever hear coaches say well don't forget do- he
1: got hurt now part of, yeah part of the benching was he did get hurt
0: yeah, but, I mean, if he's healthy enough to come back in the second half today, he's been healthy yes, enough to play yes. then.
1: Yeah, today was the interesting one where, where P.J. – but then again, P.J. Walker almost throws the greatest pass in NFL history to win a game last week, and you're like, he's won two games in a row, and now they didn't win. They should have won. It wasn't his fault. The kid misses kicks. It was almost like, okay, this guy's got us a little some juice going. Let's roll with him. He was awful. I mean, that poor guy was awful.
0: I don't want to hear coaches say they don't listen to what fans or media say about them or their team because there's That's just no, no chance in hell. Those coaches really believe PJ Walker is better than Baker Mayfield.
1: No, but I go back to, like I said, I mean, he wins the Tampa game when Baker was hurt. He went, you know, he should have won the game last week, that crazy throw to DJ Moore. And sometimes I, I'll give you the, Hey, dude's hot. I, I don't understand why he's hot, but my lands, he looked amateurish today. I, I mean, mean I, two interceptions were horrible. I
0: mean, skinny to, to, Put it in perspective. I think out of the five games he's played, he's been under hundred yards pass No, I so, no no. And no. I mean, t- today they clearly had zero confidence in letting him throw the ball. As soon as Baker's in, I mean, granted you're down by five touchdowns when Baker's in there, but as soon as Baker's in, they're throwing the ball all over the place, however they want. So, uh, look, P.J. Walker couldn't have came up and punched me in the face before today, and I would have known who he was. And there's a reason for that. I I just don't I don't understand why Baker Mayfield wasn't playing I, if he was a, not healthy sure. enough to do so.
1: Right. We, we call it the great Andy Dalton 2.0 game where he had a 2.0 passer rating on a Thursday night loss to Cleveland years ago, which was one of the more stunningly bad performances of a quarterback I've ever witnessed. P.J. Walker had literally a 0.0. Do you know how hard that is in the, in, the, in passer rating to get a 0.0? That, that is like the awfulest of awful times sub-awful minus a year really, really, really awful performance.
0: No, and you could tell. You, you could tell by the way they were pl- running their offense in the first half. I mean, they had right. zero confidence in the guy. He's just not an NFL starting quarterback.
1: No, he was an no, XFL he player. Right. Dude, he, he, was in the, he was in the XFL.
0: Yep. Well, uh, back to the Bengal side of things. I think one of the only standouts, maybe negatively, was Cam Taylor Brick kind of got picked on a little bit. It felt like he had the, the pass interference. I think he had another penalty in there at one point, and then he, he had that touchdown where he just got mossed in the end zone.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the mossed in the end zone, I'm just going to chalk that up to, you know what, it happens. Um, but I also know that he was part of that group of corners, Jalen Davis, him, Eli, and then again, held P.J. Walker to 0. 0.0. I think overall, it was a pretty good performance from Cam Taylor, Britt, and Jalen Davis and those guys.
0: Okay, fair enough. I I guess we we'll have to wait to hear more about Dax and find right, out right. where that is. But that was the one position they couldn't afford any more injuries at. So I mean, what what do they do if Dax Hill isn't available?
1: It's a great question. Um, uh, Mike Hilton has said he will be back after the bye week, so you hope that's a factor. That that's that's possible. But it's man, you're on thin ice. I mean, when Dax went to that tent. You're looking and going, I mean, they went into today, Rick, with only three backup DBs. Mike Thomas, Dax Hill, and Alan George. Mike Thomas is a special teams captain for a reason. You know what he is? He's a special teams player. Um, uh, You know, Dax is a rookie. (laughs) Alan George is a a practice squad call-up. That's thin ice, man. Um, Now, again, Mike coming back after the bye. Uh, you, I would assume Trey Flowers is back after the bye. I, I can't. I would almost assure you he's back after the bye. So you are getting two guys back, but it felt like you're trying to work Dax in a little bit here, and now all of a sudden, can you work him in if he's hurt? I mean, that that's what stinks. You'd like to get him some snaps.
0: Good time for the bye week to come. Uh, hopefully some of these oh, yeah. guys are able to, to get healthy or at least get closer to healthy so they're back sooner than later. The team sits at five and four skinny, eight games left, five of them against teams with winning records, including at Tennessee, at New England and at home against Buffalo and Baltimore in the final two games of the regular season. But uh, some of these teams that are at the, the end of the schedule, I mean, they've they've kind of changed how we view them to some extent, I think, you know, the, the Titans are one of those to some extent. when we first started talking about how tough the stretch was going to be at the end, we were factoring Tennessee into more of a winnable game. Cause I think they were like one and two at the right. time. Now they've, they've reeled off a bunch of wins. They're one of the hotter teams and uh, they're playing the chiefs tough tonight. So it's like, that could be a more difficult game than we thought, but that, hopefully the bucks, you know, they, they got a big win today. They've been terrible for most of the season. Where where do you think it stands in terms of the difficulty of the rest of the schedule here now with eight games left?
1: I think it's still extremely difficult. Um, But, you know, looking at last year, too, right? You looked at the gauntlet of Raiders were really good at the point the Bengals played them. Denver was playing better. San Francisco, now San Francisco beat them. Oh, my God, they're never going to beat the Chiefs at home. It doesn't matter where they play. They're not going to beat the Chiefs. And they did. Um, they got a little bit lucky when they played Baltimore, right? Because Baltimore was uh, was was nicked up, and you know that last game of the year they played a bunch of subs uh, against uh, against Cleveland. So it, it last year was a gauntlet too. It's not quite, I think, this gauntlet. I think this is more of a gauntlet. But I think Joe Burrow said it best: if if you play the like you did today, and I think that means more execution, performance, all those things, not just end result, because that team was bad you're going to win a lot of games. Um, I think, can you, the question is, can you get five more, five more get you in, in my opinion, because it's going to get you to 10. I've talked about this before. You have a tiebreaker advantage over Miami because of the win. You have a tiebreaker advantage over the jets. You have a chance to believe it or not, have a tiebreaker advantage over new England, which is still very much in the wild card. They're five and four. You have a chance to own all those wild card advantages. I think the division is going to be really tough to win but I still think this team gets to nine minimum, probably ten, and ten gets you in with all those tiebreaker advantages, in my opinion.
0: Well, and the division's going to be tough to win because of the discrepancy in strength of schedule. The Ravens right. have a right. weak right. schedule the rest yeah. of the way. The Bengals yeah. have a difficult one. But you know, the Jets beating the Bills today—who would have thought that that they were a legit team when the Bengals beat them twenty-seven right. no, to twelve right. in Week Three?
1: That's right. And then so then you look at that Bills game as much as you go they're really good and they are. I we all know that. It's at home on a Monday night. At home on a Monday night with something on the line. You don't think that doesn't matter, right? It's going to matter.
0: It definitely matters. And well and the way I'm kind of looking at this now is you hope the Steelers game on Sunday night when they come back from the bye <laughs> week is a win. It
1: won't be it, on Sunday night by the way. I think it's going to get flexed. Get flexed because yeah. the Steelers
0: stink. But if you can win on the road, granted, the Bengals have been terrible within the division this year, and it's still a road game against your rival. It's never a gimme, but right. they are a bad team. If you win that game and you are able to win at home against the Browns, which I, I think we all think they should, then you look at yes, uh, maybe the Buccaneers game is another winnable. There's like two or three winnable games, I would say, left, and then the rest are all 50-50 games. So can they win? Two more, two out of five of those 50-50 games, basically, I think you come down to.
1: Rick, do you remember when we did this exercise before the season started? I wrote a column. I do a prediction column, and I wrote likely wins, likely losses, toss-up games. Remember that?
0: Yeah, you had a ton of (laughs) toss-ups.
1: I had a ton of toss-up games, and here we are, right? We're, We're right in that same category.
0: Yes. And uh, I I don't know that I feel any more certain about those toss ups now than I did then when we started the season. So uh, but but the good news is this team played their way right back into a spot where they've given themselves a chance. It's right where they were last year. They've proven they're capable of it. And again, I just go back to what we talked about during our weekly podcast on Thursday morning. If you have. An elite quarterback like Joe Burrow at the most important position in all of professional sports, you always have a chance. And if you put yourself in position record wise going into the final stretch, you take your chances with a guy like that.
1: And by the way, he was really good today. He wasn't great because he didn't have to be great. But go crunch the numbers. Dude was really good.
0: In, in the the games where the offense has been successful have mostly been games where they've kept Joe clean. If they can find some level of consistency with that in the second half of the season, there's no telling what type of numbers Joe Burrow could put up. We could very well see him put up an MVP season, and that wouldn't be a shock at all.
1: Well, and, and you know, the other way to keep him clean is to run the ball the way you did today. I don't hang my hat on that because, again, this could be just a one off. Um, but if you can do it, that's another way to keep him clean, too. So uh, I, today, today at least restored faith, right? That's what today did. It made yep. you go, OK, you know what? They don't suck the way we think they suck. <laughs> they're still playoff caliber. Uh, all of those things. And with the caveat of that team's not very good. But I mean, honestly, a bunch of us were talking before the game as we were we were having lunch. And it was like, gosh, if you lose today, man, it is pitchforks and, 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 and people just wanting everybody fired, including us as reporters, and it's just going to be ugly. And I don't root. I don't, I'm sorry, Bengals fans. I don't, I root for me, but today I was rooting for the win just because I'm like, just please don't, I just want this to be a nice couple of weeks before we go back into this. And it was, and it gave you the fact of, all right, listen, this, it is, it is a roller coaster ride. Everybody rides it, man. It's it it, it it is that's why this league is so much fun and so aggravating at the same time, because it's just a total roller coaster. It's almost like, oh, they suck. No, they're great. No, they suck. No, they're great. It's just it's it is so week to week that when everybody looks long term and we just did it, you and I just did it. Don't. There's no long term to this nonsense.
0: Yeah, Well, and that's why I say skinny anything except for a resounding win today. Right. Wouldn't have done much. You no, know, I mean, correct. it would have, it would have been move like a oh, needle
1: this. OK, but yeah, the, the way they performed the today, needle. it did yeah. restore faith. Yeah, I think I was just I think that's the key is it did restore faith. Bottom line. Rick, appreciate it, as always. We we'll be back Thursday. We're going to have some college basketball to talk about Thursday, Rick. Some real games being played, right?
0: I can't wait. I Happy know you, college man. basketball season, to everybody out there.
1: I know you've got you've got kind of double duty tomorrow night, don't you? Yeah. Or actually, as people listen to this, it might be tonight on Monday night.
0: Yeah, I think most people are going to be hearing this on Monday.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because um, we 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 call seven teams in our coverage area. Our coverage area, um, they all play tomorrow night. It's the it's. I'm not sure I remember that ever in my career in this marketplace of all seven teams playing on the same night.
0: Yeah, well, we can talk about this more on Thursday, but I do think it's stupid that there aren't big games on opening night of the college basketball season. Everyone wants to play a game, but none of them want to play a meaningful game. It's like, come on, guys, make it somewhat appealing yeah. for the fans.
1: Yeah, I was looking, scrolling through the schedule and there was like 79,000 college basketball games. And I looked at like three or went, Oh, that's interesting. Not much. Not <laughs> yeah. much.
0: NKU Kent State towards the top of that list, if we're being honest. Oh, it,
1: might, it, might, it might be, actually. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. All right. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.